Episode 110, Chandrayaan 3. Traditionally, an Israel live stream event ends with a few short speeches from the Israel chairman and several of the key personnel associated with that mission. On 23rd of August 2023, following the successful soft landing of Chandrayaan 3 lander, this tradition played out as normal. But this time, amongst the speakers on the stage was the Chandrayaan 3 Associate Project Manager, Kalpana Kalhasti. Although Israel has many female scientists, engineers and managers, this was the first time, to my knowledge, for a woman to make it to the stage during the live stream. A qualified communications engineer, Kalpana Kalhasti has worked on several ISRO missions, including the 2013 Earth observation satellite called SARAL, developed jointly with the French space agency CNES. She was assigned as the associate project manager for Chandrayaan 3 in 2019, following the unsuccessful Chandrayaan 2 landing attempt. In this conversation, she recalls her journey with Israel when she joined as a radar engineer based at Siri Harikota. Thank you very much indeed, Kalpana, for making time uh, to do this. And I really appreciate uh, talking to somebody who was involved in the um, incredible achievement for Israel on the 23rd of August this year with the soft landing of Chandrayaan 3. Started your journey with Israel started back about uh, 2010. If we start up there, was working in space something that you always wanted to do? Actually, my is my journey started with my placement at uh, Sri Harikota, SDSC, we call Satish Dhawan Space Center. It's the you know it's a spaceport of India where all the rocket launchings are happening. So I I had applied for a, a job there and I got my appointment order. So that was the beginning and it was a moment really, I, it's very vivid. It's very vivid mm -hmm. uh, how it all happened. So right. I got in, it's, it, was, it was a telegram what I had received. Really, it was, it was literally <laughs> a telegram. Why? Because like uh, they had sent it out some one month back, but because ah. I was not, uh, at home and I was working in Bangalore in a private company. So mm -hmm. the address was a temporary address, which I had shared and it had gone rounds. And as a family <laughs> call, it was a telegram which reached home. So at that time I was at home. And so my father, I still remember my father was so happy for a government uh, appointment order because he has this uh, uh, fascination or what I say is a great... Uh, Attachment. Uh, he was a state government employee, so his whole service he had worked for a state wow. government in Chennai. So he was so happy for it, and uh, so we we immediately went uh, because it was a telegram. We had immediately rushed to give my concern that yeah, I'm joining. <laughs> That's yeah. how it started. Was something working in Israel a goal that you had set yourself? Not really, actually, because um, I had done my electronics and communication engineering. So I was more interested in uh, taking up a job where I can really do what I have learned, what I have really 
studied so core engineering somewhere where where i can take up core engineering was the mm -hmm. idea so yeah when we were in college like we, we get to know about all the organizations right like so isro drdo these are defense research development organization this is another one organization so where really core engineering subjects are really involved in the day to day work what is happening there so in that process isro was my interest it's not that really i wanted to get into isro but a good organization where core engineering is really taken up as part of your work so that's how isro really impressed and attracted me so i applied right. so your father was working in the government so it sounds like it was like a quite a, a fresh start for with with you within the family in a technical role is that right true exactly and uh, uh technically yes i was the first engineer in my family and also as a first woman to take up engineering in my right. family circle so because uh, it was like either teaching or it was limited to that sort of jobs mm -hmm. and so when i was interested in taking up engineering my parents gave me the fullest encouragement and support and uh, i took up engineering as my uh, degree course ug course and uh, that's how it started so you associated first with uh, chandrayaan 2 um in uh, september 2019 um what was your uh, what were your activities within israel prior to that see when i i said i joined uh, sdse shri harikota shar right so mm -hmm. there i had joined as a radar engineer that was my appointment uh, uh the, the, i mean like that was the area where i was first placed for the to my appointment so mm -hmm. i was a radar engineer for nearly 5 years then i moved to bangalore ur rao satellite center as mm -hmm. a spacecraft systems engineer so mm -hmm. i had worked in the beginning phase as a project manager i had worked in a few of the remote sensing satellite missions so mm -hmm. like uh, india mini satellite and youtsat and uh, one of the isro cooperation mission isro kenes cooperation mission which is the srl mm -hmm. that was one more that like what i had worked it was a very good experience working with uh, another agency and it was a good learning uh, then uh, taken up chandrayaan 2 as uh, associate project director for the electrical system so the complete electrical system engineering and systems management so that's how i was part of chandrayaan 2 mission Israel has many uh, collaborative projects uh, one is NISA which is currently in progress have you been involved in other collaborative projects which involve NASA or, or uh, JAXA no, uh, i'm uh, NISR i have i have not collab i have not involved in NISR the saral was my kenes uh, collaborative mm -hmm. mission right. but further on i have been in last nearly like Eight, nine years it's it's been only chandrayaan for me and <laughs> it's it's yeah. like as i said in my speech also it's been only like breathe in breathe out chandrayaan past at least nearly a decade but during chandrayaan 2 and 3 also we did have collaboration with um, nasa 
So JPL teams, because mm -hmm. for the ground station support, the DSN network support, we have taken um, NASA JPL teams uh, support. So that way we had a very good uh, interaction and collaboration. And also in uh, Chandrayaan 3, similarly, we had taken the ESA support for uh, DSN network support. Mm -hmm. So their ground stations have supported. It was a good teamwork. So let me take you back to 2019 when um, you were uh, first appointed as the uh, project director for Chandrayaan 3. What kind of changes were made to the lander in particular for Chandrayaan 3 um, from the time you were assigned to that role onwards to the leading to the successful landing uh, in August this year? Yeah, sure. Because uh, you know what happened in Chandrayaan 2, right? See, Chandrayaan 2 itself, like it was a very uh, different, uh, uh, challenging mission when we started off because mm -hmm. that was the first soft landing that was a mission we had started off with the soft landing on moon as the objective because chandrayaan one was an orbiting mission that was a phenomenal success in chandrayaan two we started off with an objective for soft landing first time and that itself was very new for us uh, as against the uh, other uh, satellites which we were building for uh, remote sensing purpose and communication purpose this was something new for us so as a team, we started off by first looking at what are all the new technologies we have to build, a lot of literature study. We did looking at other agencies who had demonstrated it, like uh, American and uh, uh, Russians and in the Chinese had demonstrated by then with the Changi mission. So we looked at all those missions and we built all the technologies. All were new, actually, very sophisticated technologies we had built like we could not really do the uh, accomplish that final goal what we had targeted soft landing so mm -hmm. we looked at the data and what really went wrong we analyzed what was the factors which led to that crash we had analyzed and we could really pinpoint what ha actually happened so when we started rebuilding the chandrayaan 3 lander it was a step by step process which very systematically we had taken up so first is rectification. Understand what really happened and uh, rectify it. And then rectification is alone, not adequate. We have to strengthen the lander, actually. Now it should be capable enough to handle any sort of failures which can happen. You make it more robust to handle wider range of dispersions or failure scenarios. We made it 100% redundant. So any one failure happens there is another system to take over. If a main system has some failure, there is a redundant system which comes up and takes over seamlessly. Fortunately, all this didn't happen. We were, it was a very nominal landing, but we had built in the capability in the lander. It is an autonomous landing. There is no human intervention. The whole crux of the problem is this. It's completely autonomous. So all the intelligence required, we need to build in the lander. That's the total challenge. So testing is another important factor. So we, we formulated some three main special tests, what we call like mm -hmm. these three tests. So integrated cold test, integrated hot test and lander leg drop test. The first test is 
all the sensors, it has a lot of sensors, right? Like altimeters, velocity meters, inertial sensors, hazard avoidance sensors, a lot of sensors are there, which is going to continuously tell where the lander is, where I am. The lander has to know where it is. And we flew it on a helicopter. We tested. So how it is performing at that, at different heights, at different velocities, at a profile almost similar to the lander trajectory profile. So we tested it. So similarly, another test we had, which is called the hot test, integrated hot test, because the engines we need to test, it's not just sensors, right? We had throttleable engines. So uh, together, along with the engine sensors and the navigation guidance and control system, we have to thoroughly test in closed loop. This we did at uh, Sriharikota, our SDSC SHAR. There we had made it set up for this using a tower frame. Similarly, you know, the lander has the four legs so the legs were strengthened this time. It had more capacity was built for the absorbing the landing touchdown energies. So this is the third thing. This gave the confidence. I think the message I'm getting very clear is that from the uh, Chandrayaan 2 lander to Chandrayaan 3, what you discovered was that the principle, the fundamentals for Chandrayaan 2 were, were pretty much okay. But what you had to do was to increase and enhance the precision of all the stages of the entry, descent, and landing. You mentioned the strengthening of the landing legs to compensate for any potentially harder landing. You tweaked the um, precision with which the thrustable engines could generate that thrust. You uh, also increase the landing area and increase the fuel yes. on board. That's the dispersion issue the element that you were referring to. But that redundancy and the testing really is what uh, made this uh, a success. If I can just ask you one specific, and there's many complex systems here, thank you for summarizing them. But one specific thing, um, I understand that during the final stages of the landing, the lander this time provided many more high frequency, higher resolution images in real time to help the algorithm to find the precise landing. Is that the, the, the aspect that you were involved in specifically? What you told is correct. That is one more feature what we had built this time, apart from all required, for, because when I was talking now, I mm -hmm. focused mainly on what was involved for soft landing, what all we had done. But mm -hmm. apart from that, as you rightly indicated, there were other more things what we did for a better data uh, reception. So we had increased the data rates and we ensured that we are able this time, we are able to get real-time lander images. Okay, this was not there in Chandrayaan 2. So we had built the, the X-band system actually was supporting this. So we had a steering mechanism uh, the antenna steering mechanism, there is a high torque gimbal mechanism which steers in both the directions, azimuth and elevation, and ensures that as the lander is uh, descending, it ensures the line of sight communication with the earth station by steering and ensure, thereby ensuring that we are getting the real-time images. So this was something which we uh, really wanted to do. This is apart from uh, what we are we try to do for the real mission objective these were all the i i don't know should i say it as a cosmetic effect or effect or what <laughs> but we did many more such things um apart from what we did in chandrayaan 2 this is one thing 
I had to wear different hats. Like, <laughs> not because uh, the complete, uh, we have a lot of experts. See, our team is like, our team structure is like this. We have a project director. You, you would have heard Dr. Veera Muthuvel and myself as associate project director and mm -hmm. uh, many nearly around some 33 deputy project directors and along with mm -hmm. them, many project managers. So here, if you see, all these deputy project directors and project managers are experts in the specific their own specific mm -hmm. domains. So we have a thermal expert, uh, navigation guidance and control expert, power expert, structural expert, mechanism. We have like that. So our, my role along with project director, like we play the pivotal role to connect all these uh, experts together and work towards the common goal. So this is the system engineering what we do because everyone is expert in their own domain. But together, we have to work together towards one common goal of soft landing. So my role is to ensure all the interfaces are written down and built properly and uh, uh, ensure that everything is happening in sync and cohesion so that the final goal is met. I'm basically an electronics engineer, yes. Uh, the project director is a mechanical engineer by expertise. So we complemented each other. So I was focusing particularly more on the electrical aspects, but there is no line drawn. There is no line drawn. We had to look at everything with the international collaboration or the special tests happening, the building of the spacecraft, the budget aspects, aspects the resource handling, everything. So all put together, we both worked and complemented each other. I, I remember this kind of response I used to get frequently from Professor Rao whenever we talked about these things. He always reminded me of the importance of teamwork. You know, during the launch or indeed landing uh, live uh, streams uh, from Israel, you always see um, people from different parts of India in the control rooms. Uh, you see a lot of um, women wearing saris, um, Salvar Kameez, for women, is ISRO a, a good place to work? Definitely. Uh, ISRO is the place for um, women to be part of it because uh, uh, you never uh, you, you never realize or it's not at all a point of uh, thought or discussion about the gender. We don't even realize like I'm a woman with so many men working. That thought process doesn't come at all, actually. It's just work. That's how ISRO works. Uh, that's the best part of ISRO. I would say, like, mm -hmm. what speaks is your capability, your commitment towards work, your hard work. Well, that, that's certainly my uh, image of uh, ISRO today. But when you started back in 1999 as a radar engineer at Siri Harikota, what was the... Uh, picture then in terms of the uh, women working there? When I had joined also, there were many women engineers who had joined along with me and all are in a very good uh, position now. Everyone have taken up key roles who are there at Sri Harikota now. They are um, they are they have taken up they have come to a very good uh, key positions and uh, all are duly, doing really well and everyone is has established themselves uh, definitely because more and more engineers coming out of colleges women engineers girls coming out of colleges so that percentage is constantly increasing it's like you can see more if you come to our campus you do welcome if you come to our campus you can see like you can 
it's not just uh, software or electronics. You can see in every department, starting from even the structural uh, engineering department, thermal, and uh, the mechanisms where you may think that only men are involved. You can see a lot of women engineers involved. That's the abiding memory I have of seeing the control center in, uh, yes. in any Israel. That's our, uh, you had indicated as sari or salwar. That is the routine attire which every woman yeah. <laughs> in India yeah. <laughs> dresses with. Like it's the same normal for us. It's yeah. It's another day of how we yeah. come to office, we come to the uh, control room. Yeah. So that's what yeah. you would have observed. Yeah. And, and as you say, you know, from maybe um, an outsider's perspective, men, not many people realize how advanced some of the um, roles that women have in India are, including, I was surprised to learn, the number of female airline pilots that India has. It's a huge number. And it's uh, sometimes gets lost in the reporting that we see abroad. Chandrayaan 3 um, landed, landed successfully. Um, what can you share in terms of some of the uh, scientific findings that have come out of the mission? So we had uh, three scientific instruments on lander and uh, two on rover. So in lander, we had uh, uh, three uh, varied instruments. One was the thermo one was a thermal probe, what we called as a chastity. So uh, it was a thermal probe which was inserted into the lunar surface for measuring the thermal properties, lunar regolith thermal properties. Another one we had called the ILSA with the instrument for lunar seismic activity to measure the seismicity of the lunar surface. Once the lander landed, it was placed just below the rover ramp which was there so mm -hmm. it was lowered such that it touches the lunar surface and once it touched the lunar surface it started uh, giving the scientific data it had the capability to measure artificial and the natural any natural uh, events which are like which are likely to happen it is supposed to sense so it uh, it did whatever the way it was planned for all the um, artificial uh, uh, activities like the rover movement, we did notice that there was one particular uh, measurement which we could not associate to any of the artificial uh, ha uh, happenings. And so it is a, a most likely a natural uh, phenomena which is which is said which it has measured. So this was uh, the ILSA instrument, and one more we had the Ramba LP. It's a Langmuir probe actually. Radio, mm -hmm. it is a radio anatomy for moon-bound hypersensitive atmosphere for measuring the plasma, how is the electron density uh, in the near to the lander, wherever lander was there. It was a one meter probe around. And apart from this, the rover had two instruments. One was the alpha particle-based alpha APXS payload, and the other one is a laser-based. It's a LIBS, what we call the laser-induced breakdown spectroscope. So these two instruments also were to uh, to do the elemental uh, abundance of the lunar uh, surface uh, and the lunar soil to measure the elemental abundance of the various uh, uh, minerals present there. So this also had given very good uh, measurements. So all this put together, it's like because all these were first time in situ experiments happening near to lunar south pole. That is the highlight here, actually, because in-situ experiments near to lunar south pole is something first time which 
we had demonstrated. We did a yeah. pop experiment also. That was a feather on the cap, uh -huh. actually. So this was something which we had not really planned, but we really did execute it. And it was a phenomenal uh, uh, outcome. So these were the things we had uh, demonstrated post landing. And I, and I think, you know, the rover also had done a good amount of rover mobility, as Shiv Shakti point, around that nearly 100 meters around, it had done very good mobility. So these were the good outcomes. Yeah, uh, and you're quite right when you say this was the first time that uh, in situ experiments were done, measurements were taken close to the South Pole. And this is important because perhaps within this decade, people will be going to, uh, to back to the moon and there will be living, walking around in that environment. So the um, thermal probe that you mentioned, uh, measurements it conducted, I think it was uh, it concluded that the lunar regolith is quite a good insulator. So it keeps cold things cold, hot things hot, and um, that will, all of this is really useful for planning the kind of habitats that might come um, directly in, in the future. And also the measurements on the instruments on the lander, measuring the plasma, now this is particularly critical for the safety of humans when they are in that environment living there because here on Earth, we have the atmosphere and the magnetic field that protects us, but there's no such protection for radiation directly from the sun on the lunar surface. So uh, I imagine this kind of information will be useful to other agencies. Do you share this kind of scientific information with the other space agencies? Right now, whatever the findings which were happening, it was out actually, as and when this, the first cut data, the first cut data analysis, which had come out, was put on the public domain of ISRO page. And further, uh, we will be having, uh, sooner we may have science workshops where different agencies can interact. So that will be planned by our headquarters team. Soon such things will be planned. So with for lots and lots of interaction among the scientific community. So yeah. that will be taken up from by our headquarters team, the science uh, science head offices there in headquarters. Definitely right. all such things will be planned. And you mentioned the Hawk test. So this is the lander engines firing for a short time, which lifted the lander and then resettled, landed again very quickly after uh, thereafter. It's a very brief test. What was the purpose of that test? We had planned for a soft landing. That was our mission objective, mm -hmm. but we landed. We did have certain fuel as a reservoir available, and we have a mission life available. So it is always, it's an enthusiasm and the encouragement given by our management also to try something more new whatever is feasible. Again, fire the engines, which we had switched off. So again, you're trying to switch on your engines and then trying to do an ascent. So this is something like, which is going to give you a good confidence for your future sample return missions or other future, future missions. Like it's going to give you a, a path towards that. So we are trying to do something like, so your engines you're testing once again for a switch on and an ascent. And next, what we 
felt is like you are lifting and you're trying to go to a slightly different place. So again, you have a different signs available there. So you're trying to do a measurement at a slightly different place. So that is another advantage what we could get. So these are the things what we thought of. And primarily, I feel it's like you're trying to test your systems for an ascent. So your total engines, your algorithms, everything we have tried to test and it had beautifully worked. Of course, we did it with the, all the required simulations. It was, that day was like nearly 24 hours. We had very cautiously because that was not something what we had planned on ground. We are trying something there. But we did with utmost care and planning and simulations. We did do it and then we made an attempt. That's how it happened. Didn't appreciate this, but all the uh, the ramp, for example, was retracted before the the um, uh, hop, yes. and then once it landed, it was deployed again. So that gave uh, all UE engineers exactly exactly. I, I did not uh, I did not dwell more on that. Mm -hmm. Just paucity of time, I didn't want to exit. But you have brought out it because you know how it was when it landed. The our ramps were deployed. Uh, the probe, uh, what I said, the thermal probe was already uh, penetrated into the soil. So we had to fold back the ramp. This probe, which we had penetrated, we had to retract it back. So, and also there is this ILSA payload, which had already landed on. So we had to bring it up. All these things, we, we had not done it on ground. So this was something new for us, but it was it was really a good challenge. I would say like Chandrayaan 3 is a, the example for excellent teamwork so as a big team we have worked together and achieved this goal so i would say like chandrayantri is the example for excellent teamwork and this whole thing the whole success is is dedicated to our team is what i feel the hop test is indicating i think you suggested a sample return mission is that going to be the next mission to the moon for israel we have a roadmap lined up. Anyway, officially, it will be uh, things will come out from our management, but that's how we we go on, right? Like it's a step by step process. We have landed, soft soft landed. Next, we have to look for uh, a sample return mission, and uh, before we even go on towards the manned mission, so that's how a roadmap has been lined up. It's uh, very much the next logical step. So what is it that you are working on currently now that Chandrayaan 3 is over? I have taken up a project which involves to, it's a technology demonstration uh, mission. Of course, I, I it is not still officially announced, so I'm not able to mention <laughs> the uh, uh -huh. uh, project name, but it will come out soon. But it's uh, two new technologies, mm -hmm. uh, basically, uh, for the demonstration. It's a uh, really good technologies. I have already involved i'm already involved in that and uh, the study is in progress and uh, trying to bring it to a shape for starting off soon it may come out uh, so i don't want to press you but uh, is it related to the, the to the moon or some other celestial body so that is also there this is earth it's not moon this project no. is it's not yeah. earth. it's more on lower earth mm. Okay. Maybe um, time soon we may share. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and yeah, maybe we can speak again when that happens. Yes. It would be interesting to speak about. So yes. finally, then, if I can talk to you about now, this is not in necessarily in your remit, 
but um, the one of the and, and Israel has been very busy this year. <laughs> one of the high-profile missions is the uh, crewed mission to space, the Gaganian program. What's your view on um, human exploration of space? You know, it's very expensive and all space agencies have limited resources. Do you think the science outcome from a crewed mission to space takes away some of the funding for other robotic space exploration missions? Any mission or any such missions may appear to be uh, more costlier. When we are just starting off as a developing country, we are spending on space may not be really meaningful. Such thoughts are always there, but now we see where we are. Because we have started off, now we are in such a position like we have demonstrated a soft landing mission. That's how we have, that's how we have come all the way. So I think there should not be any looking back in that uh, perspective. We have to move forward and uh, we have to have such ambitious missions, but ISRO is, I think we, we do it very carefully. I'm not part of that mission. So I cannot speak much more on that, but it is very, uh, very consciously and very carefully. Um, the roadmap, which is laid down is handled by ISRO. If I may ask, I, uh, you know, um, Valentina Tereshkova uh, was the first woman in space in 1963. And that was just two years after Gagarin. It took um, uh, America about 20 years before they reached their first woman in space. Uh, if Israel was to look, look for candidates, female candidates to go to space, and I'm sure it will happen uh, at one time, at one stage, is that uh, an aspect of uh, your future career that you envisage? Definitely, that that would be like a privilege if I'm <laughs> if I'm found to be fit enough and capable yeah. enough, and yeah. if I can equip myself to that, it will be the most privileges. Uh, uh, task which I can take up, take up for the country and for our yeah. organization. I only need to equip myself and make myself fit enough for that. In in every respect, I think the Chandrayaan three uh, mission has been a huge success. This Chandrayaan three success, what we what we noticed further to soft landing and demonstrating is that, like it was, um, it was not just. Uh, ISRO's success or an engineering community communities or a scientific community success. It was received so well uh, across the country, uh, irrespective of age, irrespective of which field they belong to, from children to the senior most. This has reached mm -hmm. every household. That is something which was uh, so satisfying and uh, uh, the reach which it has brought across the country and the enthusiasm which it has brought among the children is what has brought us so immense satisfaction to our team. Associate Project Director Kalpana, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. It's a very interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gurbeet. It was uh, nice uh, talking to you.